0: Oh man! So, Brandon Darby here with us in studio. Improvised explosive device found at border bridge to Texas. Uh, Tell us about what happened, and then let's get into how you found out it happened. Well, okay. So, it's no secret to to people who pay attention to
1: what my team works on. We have a project called Cartel Chronicles. We operate in regions of Mexico where journalists get murdered for reporting on cartels, so we go there and report on cartels, and what we do is we we provide an avenue for people who live there, whether it be journalists, citizen journalists, or other concerned people um, who want to tell what they know about cartels and the corruption. Um, We allow them to do it under a pseudonym, and then we publish it in English and Spanish. So we're virtually the only news outlet coming out of several Mexican states along the border. You know, very recently the State Department declared that uh, several of these states along the border were as bad as they're considered the same safety risks for U.S. personnel and U.S. people as Syria and Somalia. So it's, it's that bad. Um, There's that many people dying there. Uh, The cartels have that much control, right, Uh, in the border regions, um, in some border regions. So we're there, and so we're privy to a lot that happens. So uh, in this particular case, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, first off, there were uh, a Gulf cartel cell was, was raided by the Mexican military and the Mexican Marines on the border. And they were caught with Claymore mines, so they had anti-personnel mines on the border. That's that's concerning. Um, now we find out, and and we verified with the Mexican government that uh, with the government, the state government in Tamaulipas, which is a state below Texas, that they found uh, an improvised explosive device on in the pedestrian uh, area of of one of the international bridges connecting Laredo, wow. Texas, with Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, and Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. Is the headquarters for Los Zetas, which is one of the world's most ruthless transnational criminal organizations narc- narcotics cartels um, so what we see is we see a, a tendency to do what they did a few years ago which is they used a car bomb so you start to see this tendency as they're suffering and as the government's cracking down on them you see this tendency for them to start turning toward narco-terrorism like, the, like what happened in Colombia and that's a significant issue I think for Texans it's a significant issue for people who live in northern Mexico and um, and, and that's where we're at, you know, so we we got that information uh, from a source. We asked the Mexican government they acknowledged it in writing, and we published it and and uh, it's gotten a pretty a pretty big reaction, but almost every day we have something like this. you know we reported several weeks ago about the claymores. We reported several weeks before that that in one Mexican state they found over I think two hundred and fifty four or two hundred and fifty seven um, clandestine mass graves were found uh, in, in the last seven years. So uh, there's a lot of violence occurring and there's just not a lot of reporting on it. It's really sad. You know, I think U.S. media outlets, for the most part, there's a lot of left of center people who are journalists or editors and they don't want to report on what the reality is for people in northern Mexico because they think it supports a right of center narrative for, for border security. And then a lot of the right of center outlets don't want to report on the reality because it supports a left of center narrative for asylum and for why people leave. So... Uh, it, it leaves those people without a voice. You know, we're Americans. We we care about people. We report on people. We tell the stories of people all the way across the world um, who are suffering, and then people who are suffering even more intensely next door to us at our doorstep, and, and we just ignore them. And, and that's what we try to avoid. We try to do something about that.
0: Well, let's take a break, and then we're going to get more into the precedent of the issue, and then I want to really dig into how this problem in northern mexico becomes a problem in other sides of texas in more rural communities especially on the western half of the state we're gonna go to a quick break he's brandon darby little sister lauren huff across the way stick with us be right back on the other side of texas i was just 15 and out of control molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Adios, goodbye amigos, I am leaving you today. Ain't nobody around this day. Hey, welcome back. In this segment, brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806 744 7666, that's 744 7666. We continue on now with Brandon Darby, managing editor of Breitbart, Texas. We're discussing, if you're just joining us, a story he broke today uh, IED device found at Border Bridge 2, Texas. A uh, precedent here. Uh, we've not seen IEDs yet.
1: Well, um, no, we haven't. But there, there, I mean, there's a lot at play here. You know, most people. Uh, well, just f- frankly, most of the people who are talking about the border, um, whether it be on MSNBC or Fox News or CNN, and I'm not knocking. I'm trying to say that. So I'm, I'm trying not to specify any specific news agency, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm saying like across the board, most of the people talking about it don't know what they're talking about. They just don't have a lot of information about what areas really need more security, which areas don't, which areas, uh, why don't they? Um, what has happened in the past when we've secured certain areas, and um, what what can we learn from that, right? And, and how we secure things now. For instance, there's a lot of talk about the wall. They're like, well, we're going to build the wall, and then we're gonna we're gonna. And, and I'm I'm actually a fan of physical barriers in some areas. But they're like, we're going to build the wall, and it's going to stop the opium trade and these opium, these heroin overdoses that we're seeing. And but they say that, and the president even tweeted that um, something similar. But the truth of the matter is that most of the opiates that cross the U.S.-Mexico border come through the ports of entry in trucks and in train cars, right? And it has to do with public corruption. It either has to do with tricking our, our, our uh, CBP officers at the border and our customs people or it has to do with paying them off and th- that's a problem that we have on the border regions is with public corruption so even if you build the wall all the way to the moon like you're not going to slow down the meth, the cocaine or the or, or the opiates, right? And then you're going to keep seeing overdoses because Mexican black tar heroin is not as good as is is heroin from Asia it's just not and um, and so in order to compete, the Mexicans add fentanyl. And if they add fentanyl, then you're going to you're going to see a lot more overdoses. That's what we're seeing is the addition of fentanyl to heroin. Yeah. It's not the, the heroin. It's the fentanyl in the heroin that's mixed in. So uh, no one really describes that or talks about that in detail because they don't know what they're talking about. They just call for the wall. There are areas on the U.S.-Mexico border where we've already built a wall. Like we already built a, a proverbial wall like... Um, You know, barriers, concrete barriers, three-tiered fencing, two-tiered fencing in the El Paso sector. And when we did that, what did the cartel do? Did it stop the cartel? Did it slow them down? Not at all. What they did was they went from crossing people with stuff on their back, um, and they, they went to public corruption. They went to train cars and, and, and loading them in vehicles and overwhelming our systems at the border, uh, our, our, our customs checkpoints. So my point is is that we know already what's going to happen when we build physical barriers because we've already done it. And all this talk about the wall, and no one, including the president, is talking about the other factors that need to happen at the same time for a physical barrier to be successful.
0: This, let's get back to the story for just a second. ID is on the international bridge from Laredo to Nueva Laredo.
1: From Laredo, Nueva Laredo to Laredo, actually okay. on that okay. side. All
0: right. So, but it's set up in a place where it could have killed a lot of pedestrians. It was set up. It was set up
1: on the area where pedestrians use. Yeah.
0: So, first, why didn't it go off? And secondly, what's the extent of damage it could have done? Like, what did it cause structural damage? I mean, well,
1: here's the deal, though. They're using, they have claymores now. They, they have Russian RPGs. Our, our reporting has shown that. We've, we've proven that with pictures and imagery. Um, they've used those Russian RPGs against governmental facilities. Um, we can see the damage that they do. Uh, so th- this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with transnational criminal organizations, across the border some of which have different uh, they all have different characteristics the organizations but some have worse characteristics than the others for instance the Gulf Cartel which is south of Texas the Zetas which are south of Texas they have the worst MO um than any of the other, really, any of the other Mexican cartels. There's a couple of others, but they're not right on our border. Who do more brutal stuff? But really, it's those two organizations uh, who are doing this. So it was the Gulf Cartel caught with the claymores. Now it was the Zetas' territory where the improvised explosive device was was used. Did the Zetas do it? I don't know. Maybe the Gulf Cartel did it because they wanted to an explosion to hurt people and shut down, you know, increase security for the Zetas so that the Zetas lose money and can't get stuff across. It's called, like, de La Plaza, like heating up the plaza, you know. Um, who knows, right? It's one of those two groups who did it, most likely. It's in the Zetas territory. Um, is it new that they, they would do something like this? No, they, they've done it before. Is it new that they would do it and risk uh, an increased U.S. law enforcement response? Yes, that would be new. Uh, not that long ago, two years ago, we reported this too. Um, we were the first to report it. Uh, there was a cbp helicopter that caught the zetas bringing a drug load across the zetas opened fired with their ak47s and and forced the helicopter to land and they shot down for all intensive purposes they shot down a us aircraft a us federal uh, law enforcement aircraft from the office of uh, of air and marine that, you know where what, what is that like well that shows a willingness to 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 make the us angry it shows a, a disregard for for the US law enforcement response and a lot of that comes from the fact that in the olden days There were older men who were leading the cartels. They were more mafioso-like. They they cared about long-term profit sustainability. They They wanted to make their money now, but they also realized that if they crossed certain thresholds or certain boundaries, that it would affect them making money in the long term because it would evoke a response from the U.S., from U.S. law enforcement or intelligence agencies. But what happened is after we and the Mexican government went after that leadership, and kept going after that leadership, it's left all of these young guys in positions of power. So now these young guys who don't care about tomorrow, who have cocaine or meth addictions, they don't care about tomorrow. They only care about today. They want to have women today. They want their cars and their money today, and they want to party today. It's like goodfellas. Um, And they just don't care about tomorrow. And now because they don't care about tomorrow, they're willing to do things that their predecessors weren't willing to do. And that's a problem not only for the U.S., uh, the safety of U.S. law enforcement and the safety of U.S. communities in these regions, but it's also a problem when it comes to counterterrorism strategy for the U.S., which has largely been based upon the idea that, hey, these cartels know not to cross a terrorist because they know that if they did, it would shut shut them down. Well, they don't care about tomorrow anymore. So if somebody paid them enough money, they would. See, so it really impacts the, the nature of the criminal organizations and having an a, a in-depth understanding of how each group operates, who's controlling each group, what are their, those people's characteristics. It's really necessary not only for conversations about border security but it's also in, in, in the drug war, but it's also necessary for conversations about counterterrorism strategy. And sadly, I, I just don't see anyone, uh, none of the people speaking publicly about it know what the hell they're talking about. And it, it's very sad. You know, most Americans don't realize this, and most people listening to the show don't realize this. But most of the people you see on television, on the news, they actually don't know what they're talking about. They're pundits, and what they do is they Google stories. They Google an issue and read what I wrote about it, and then they try to condense it into a, a, a political talking point. They get on, they have 30 seconds to make their point, and they throw out his... his, his, his uh, uh, as incendiary of a 30-second speech as they can to make a point. Well, the problem with the way we do news and the, the, our punditry class is that we have issues affecting our country that require an in-depth discussion, right? They require some background knowledge, and the only people we have talking about it are people who are Googling it and developing 30-second talking points, and that's why we're having the problems that we're having right now, I think, as, as we were set up in a way to encourage knee-jerk responses, emotional responses, and and a lack of in-depth analysis.
0: That voice you hear is Brandon Darby, Managing Director of Breitbart, Texas, here on the other side of Texas. Let's back up for just a second. You know, we are discussing issues on this program from the other sides of Texas, and by and large, rural areas, mid-sized rural areas. And, Brandon, this all seems to... The context that you're giving for the change in leadership, almost like Henry Hill, Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas, the old guys die off, he comes into power, and the whole thing falls apart. Um, the the age demographic shift with the cartels is certainly considerable, that they're willing to go further than their predecessors went, um, and they want instant gratification. These are like the millennial narco guys now yeah, they are so actually, they, yeah.
1: specifically they are millennial
0: narcos yeah but to the point about uh receiving <clears throat> a US law enforcement response uh you said earlier in the last segment that they're beginning to act out in narco terrorism. Now that inevitably uh and unnecessarily but inevitably it's going to spill into this side to an extent that it has not already. Which becomes a rural concern. It becomes a concern about funding for law enforcement, local law enforcement, sheriffs, those sorts of things, uh, sheriff departments in these parts of Texas. Which just all, all of a sudden you become a player in rural politics. In in that uh, you're you've got your eyes on this issue. How do you see this unfolding on on the this side of the border? in more rural region, we're broadcasting from West Texas so how is this going to begin to play out this new class of narco-terrorism well I mean we already have problems I mean how many of the listeners either have a relative right
1: now dying of an opioid addiction you're watching them kill themselves or you have someone in your life uh, you know a friend who, a, a family friend who has someone in their life like all of us know someone dying of opioids or hurting themselves with an opioid addiction um or a meth addiction you know all of us have that affecting our lives it, it's affecting all of our communities some of our communities are dealing with it better than others but ultimately what's happening is 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 transnational criminal organizations are pumping uh, that into our country It's it, 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 to make money and the problem here is that we talk about border security and, and almost every politician in the GOP will say, I'm tough on border security. I want border security. But if they sat with me and I say, what, what does that mean? They're like, well, I want a wall. And it, it, it shows me that people just don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like we, we have, we're facing a crisis. We have more people dying every day from opioids uh, and from methamphetamine and from cocaine than we know what to do with in this country. And, the simple fact of the matter is, is people just don't know what the hell they're talking about. There are areas, I'm, I'm just going to break it down for you real simple. There are areas that need physical barriers. It is true. We also need more, to, more border patrol agents. That is true, right? But the problem is, is we, we can historically look back not that long ago and say, what happens when we add more agents on the border, which means they they work between ports of entry, What happens when we add more of them and we put up physical barriers between ports of entry? What happens is the cartels focus on ports of entry, and they focus on ports of entry through public corruption. So any physical barrier you build, any amount of Border Patrol agents you add, which we all need to do those things, but it's not going to do anything. It's not going to affect the amount of drugs killing our communities. It's not going to affect the criminal organizations in Mexico unless you also take additional steps. Those additional steps are, again, if we're dealing with public corruption at Port of entry what do you have to do you have to increase the FBI agents the number of FBI agents on the, in the border regions you have to increase the number of DEA agents in the border regions most importantly you need to increase the number of assistant US attorneys Available to prosecute cases in the border regions Because they can't get enough to live there You have to do those things In order to properly go after this And even that is not really Going to stop the problem Unless we talk about what's going on inside of Mexico And what's going on inside of Mexico Is it isn't the cartels Or the big bad guys There's an organized crime circle And the cartels are part of that organized crime circle But even the current Mexican president Is connected to narco cartels He was put into office with money from several cartels. This is a fact. This is not a disputable fact. Like Mexican politicians, for the most part, are connected to these narco cartels. They have financiers, they have attorneys. Every time a commander of a cartel gets murdered, that cartel commander is gone, another guy takes his place. But all of the other people, the politicians, the financiers, the accountants, the launderers, all of those other people in that circle stay the same. Why do they stay the same? They stay the same because our State Department in Mexico, we're spending a lot of money, hundreds of millions a year, going after the dr- fighting the drug war in Mexico but our State Department tells U.S. law enforcement agencies and U.S. intelligence agencies to balance their law enforcement priorities with the State Department's diplomatic concerns how do you go after cartels if in order to do it you have to go after the politician who's also the diplomat you need to, you need to appease in order to have good trade, you can't So we're in this problem. So it has to be the changes I talked about on the U.S. side, but it also has to be changes to the way the State Department does business in Mexico. Because right now, what we really have is we're watching our loved ones die. We have U.S. law enforcement personnel, county guys, city guys, state police, federal agents, getting their rear ends blown off and dying, leaving their families without a mother or father, fighting a drug war that on the highest levels of our government in the State Department in Mexico, they're actually complicit in in and saying, hey, back off these guys. Back off these guys. That's the problem. It's What's that? To appease the American people. Here you go. It looks like we're <clears throat> doing a whole lot, but we're really not doing anything. Everything doing uh, Well it's not that they're not doing anything, but they're not doing enough and I can tell you because of my sourcing in Mexico, which no no even as much as some of the mainstream outlets hate Breitbart, most of them were well, from Jake Tapper all the way down. Are going to say, Thank you for the work you're doing. That's amazing stuff that Breitbart does in Mexico, but the rest of your company, we hate you. That's what they say. Nobody's questioning our sourcing in Mexico. And I'm going to tell you, our sources routinely find people on the Treasury Department's blacklist, and we report that to the appropriate people. And what we hear back is, We seek no further information on these individuals at this time. So they're saying, Leave them alone. We're not going after them. That is a problem. That's a problem. And so, so it's not right what's going on. And until, you know, we can keep everybody distracted by talking about the wall, right? The wall. And and I'm a supporter of physical barriers on the border, right? So I'm a supporter of, of segments of wall, um, in some areas. But we can keep everyone distracted and act like that's the big golden nugget and that's it. That's the pot at the end of the rainbow. But the reality is, what our government is engaging in, what factions and sections of our government are engaging in, certain agencies. It's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. And so until we do these things, we're going to keep seeing our community suffering from drug addictions.
0: So it does become a rural issue. It becomes a rural issue in a
1: significant way because they're not stupid. Like, they're not going to go into Lubbock County where they have all the resources to go after them. They're going to go to Hockley County. They're going to set up shop in Hockley County. That's what they did in the, in, in the back end region in South Dakota with the shale oil boom, and now that we have our shale oil boom in the Permian Basin, they're doing the same thing. Midland just reported that they found a headless body the other day. You know, like, who does that? Like, it, do I know that that's a cartel? I don't know that, but I can tell you that when you have shale oil boom, when you have the oil boom and you have the workers, you have the need for women, you have the need for meth. You have the need for other drugs. You have a lot of money, and that's what we're starting to see. And they're gonna—it's gonna hurt our rural communities that don't have the resources to fight them, not not our our populist communities as much as our rural communities.
0: Good work as always, Brandon Darby. You hanging around? I'm gonna take off. Okay. Thanks for coming in. You can find that audio up at other side of